Hi guys, welcome back to CP Mom and Daughter. I'm so glad you're here. In today's podcast, I would like to talk about what having a disability is like in specifically Davao City, Philippines, from my perspective. And I'm not covering all disabilities. I want to specifically speak to having a mobility disability. And having a mobility disability as a child or not as a full-blown adult. So there are many good things about having a disability in Davao City and there are many challenges. I think it's important to remember that there's a good side and a challenging side to everything. One of the good things is here in the Philippines, people are so caring and willing to help when and and however they can. And having in-home help or care is a lot more cost-effective here than it is in the United States. With that being said, there are also many challenges. One of which is the fact that the Philippines is in Asia. And in Asia, there is still a strong shame and honor culture, which means If you have a disability, your family, your friends could feel (coughs) like you having a disability is bringing shame upon them. And with those feelings, they may feel led to hide you or to not seek out help right away because they're embarrassed of your situation, of their situation, of the circumstances. And unfortunately, this can add to the child or person getting the proper care and resources they need. It can add to them not getting it. Many (coughs) kids that have disabilities in the Philippines are carried around from a young age for lack of wheelchairs, for lack of ramps, for lack of access to wheelchairs and ramps. But let me take you through a little bit of what I have seen on my journey with Miss D the last 16 months. Many of these parents of kids with disabilities are so loving. They want to see their kids succeed. Even though the Philippines is part of a shame and honor culture, things are changing. Things are improving. So parents are now realizing the sooner that they can get their kids the care that they need, the better chance that they have at being the best possible them.
So a lot of parents will change their jobs to figure out a way to stay home with their children. But this in turn makes it difficult to figure out how to pay for therapies. Like many things in the Philippines, therapy is cheaper here than it is in the U.S. But, like in the U.S., good luck getting insurance to help with it. So a lot of times, at $10 or $12 an hour, you can get your child physical therapy, occupational therapy, or speech therapy. But with a lot of these families not making a lot, they have to make a choice. Does my child benefit more from physical therapy or occupational therapy or speech? I don't blame them, but a lot of times they choose physical therapy. And I believe the reason is even if my child can't speak perfectly, even if my child can't do every task for themselves, if I can get them to the point where they can do <coughs> more things with their legs, if I can get them to the point where they're walking, then I'm not having to carry them around. And so they make choices. They have to make the choice of do I work, do I not? Which therapy place do I take them to? Here in the Philippines, there's not very many options when it comes to physical therapy. There's where we take our daughter, shout out to um, Cat Kids Advanced Therapy Center. They're amazing. They do a wonderful job. They're just pediatric. So there's them, and then there's the hospital down the road, which is um, Thibault Cure Hospital. They do a good job too, but they are more focused on other situations. So those kids with cerebral palsy, they either go to the CAT center or they find somewhere where adults go. Or thanks to the pandemic, many that were going aren't going anymore. <coughs> so they're staying at home or at best doing video therapy. And when, when kids aren't getting the therapies they need, they're not getting better. In so many ways, they're, eating, they're either getting tighter or floppier, seizing up or losing more control of their bodies. And it has been studied that if a child gets good in intervention of any and every of the therapies that they need before the age of six, that's when they're more likely to succeed. Early intervention is so important. And I know you've probably heard this on many other fronts, but it's so true. Because at a young age, you can rewrite the brain paths. If it doesn't work for a child to do something one way, they can relearn it a different way. <coughs> but unfortunately, because of costs, because of lack of resources, because of fear, many of these kids are not getting the therapies. 
Many of these kids are not getting wheelchairs. They're not getting walkers. They're not getting gait trainers or standing frames. Because of lack of resources, shout out to Wheels for the World that does an amazing job here and is doing anything and everything they can. But a lot of times they just receive adult equipment. So they're even trying to figure out how do I cut that up? How do I cut that down so it can fit a child? So they're, they're doing their best. But they're one organization. <coughs> and, since it's, and since they're, you know, donated, they're limited to whatever they have in stock. So we're thankful for them. But not every kid is able to get something from them. And then if they do get something from them, do they have a ramp at home? Are they able to get in and out of their home? Are they able to have a vehicle where they can transport that wheelchair? Where they can get in and out of the car and then um, in, into where they need to, to have therapy? It's complicated. It's challenging. So a lot of times these parents just end up carrying their kids. There's, there's a kid that is older and bigger at my daughter's therapy and his dad faithfully carries him in to therapy each time he comes. And my heart just goes out to the dad because our bodies are wasting away day by day. And when you're carrying a child that is heavy and almost as tall as you, like, that's going to wear on your body, too. And so, I don't have all the answers. I don't know exactly what could be done. But I think the first step is awareness. The first step is realizing that this is a problem all around the world. It, it's not something that can be just looked away we have an obligation, we have a responsibility, especially those of us that are believers in the Lord Jesus, to take care of the less fortunate, take care of the orphan and the widow. And a lot of that is done through, okay, you have an extra stroller, donate it. You have an extra wheelchair or wheelchair you're not using anymore, donate it. That's something that can be done. It's not a situation where the wheel needs to be, um, what's the term? You don't need to reinvent the wheel so much as we need to look at the, the people and the organizations out there that are working hard and say, how can we come alongside them? What can we do to help them? Because unfortunately, a lot of these kids spend time on the floor, spend time on a mat. When we received our daughter through the foster care system, her head was extremely flat on the back. Honestly, I was just grateful she had hair on the back of her head because of how flat it was. She spent so much time on her back that it caused issues. And so these, these kids are either spending time on their back at home 
or they're propped up in a corner, and that's it. We can't say that we value life if we become okay with this. Because there's also a level of quality of life. You're not living if you're just left in one place. I'm not blaming the parents. I know and understand. You kind of get to the point of, what do I do? But seeing the resources that we've been given and not always wanting to say, okay, how can I get money out of this and this and this? Instead, saying, this is what I have. How can I use this to help somebody else? Is huge. So if you have an extra wheelchair, if you have an extra walker, gait trainer, standing frame, any medical equipment, donate it. Pass it along. Seek people out that could use it. Because that is what you'll be remembered for. And that will be life-changing and impactful. So, there you go. That's a little bit of what having a disability is like in the Philippines. And I guess a little bit of a pep talk. Um, if you have any questions, comments, or whatever, let me know. And we'll keep this conversation going. We'll talk to you next time. Bye. God bless.